Gracious God, thank you so much that we can be here in the middle of the week uh, on a day such as today to worship you and to honor you, to hear your word and to believe your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'd inspire in us faith to believe what you say. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon me to uh, proclaim what you want me to say to the glory of Jesus. And Lord, as we gather here in this place today, we do pray for the uh, elections going on around our nation here today. We pray, Father God, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done uh, in these elections, Lord, that you would put the people that you want to be in place, no matter what uh, political party they represent, we pray that you would raise up your people in every corner of this nation. Uh, No matter the political party, we pray that you'd establish your people in places of governance so that our our nation might be governed righteously in a way that honors and and brings glory to your name and the, the heritage of our nation as a nation whose laws are founded on the Bible as your word. And so come, Lord Jesus, and have your way in the United Kingdom today Uh, and into the future. And we cry out to you, Lord Jesus, for that outpouring of your Holy Spirit that we so desperately need because we know that there are millions, uh, even around us, at least seven and a half million people who are dying and going to hell without you. And so we cry out to you for that outpouring of the Spirit so that these might be saved because we know that your desires that we that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And we pray that it might happen here in London and across the United Kingdom as your spirit is poured out. But in the meantime, Lord, help us to be ready for all that you want to do in and through us. For we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Excuse me. We pick up with uh, verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed, uh, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, it's all in our hearts and our minds thinking about uh, the elections. But I found through my, through my life and through my ministry, I have this weird tendency uh, when it comes a, a, a key moment on a day like today, not really to focus on it at all 
in what I'm proclaiming. Because sometimes it seems like God has us on a different pathway and a different trajectory. And I'd say that that's true today. I, I trust what God is doing in the nation. And I know that God is preparing our nation for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm confident of this. Uh, and I've been stating it very publicly, uh, taking a great risk in doing so. Because it could come, you know, January 1st, 2018. You could say, well, here's a false prophet. Uh, or gosh, he really got it wrong, or any of those kinds of things. But I'm, I'm making it a public stance. The Lord is bringing an outpouring of the Spirit to this nation, hopefully this year, and I think beginning probably around October this year or November this year, but I'm still, I'm believing for it, I'm praying for it. And it's key for us to get ready. It's important for us to be prepared for what God wants to do in our lives. And that's not only in the case if there, there comes a, a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit as we're praying for, but even when we're touched by the Spirit, we're filled by the Spirit, we're empowered by the Spirit to, to speak His Word, to do His thing, to minister to our co-workers, maybe to pray for a sick person or share our faith with somebody. It's important for us to have our hearts and our minds ready to move with the Lord when he is moving. And Paul is talking a little bit about that today, but in, in the things that Paul says today, he actually points out three different things that people tend to do, ways that we tend to gravitate that actually take us outside the flow of the Holy Spirit, that keep us from experiencing all that God has for us. And these three things that Paul is talking to the Colossians about today are things that so often people do, and it's almost instinctive that religious people do these things and flow in these ways and flow outside the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit is flowing like a river, and occasionally there's these side channels, these sluices that come off the river, and so easily we get caught into one of these sluices, and we end up going there and just falling and getting outside the flow of the Spirit. And so Paul is warning the people about how to to stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit, how to stay in the flow of what Jesus is doing, and how not to get out of the flow, how not to be distracted and to be disturbed. And uh, the, the first of the things that he's talking about is what we would call religiosity uh, or Pharisaism, legalism. You know, sometimes people get caught up in legalism. When we were with our friends, we were with a, a group of churches, some friends of ours, and their whole church movement got sidetracked be, just because of legalism. Because people started getting caught up in, okay, the Sabbath. You know, is the Sabbath Saturday or is the Sabbath Sunday? Is the Sabbath from sundown to sundown or is the Sabbath from midnight to midnight? How do we understand that? We got to follow the Sabbath. Or we need to do this, or we, we don't need to do this. You need to be sure as Christians that you don't take out any kind of loan or anything like that because all forms of loans are wrong and, and you can't do that. Or you need to make sure that you dress a certain way. Or ladies, you need to make sure that, uh, that your, your skirts cover your knees at least, you know, something like that. And, and throughout history, people get caught up into legalism 
And every single time, just as in the Pharisees in the New Testament in Jesus' day, every time we get caught up into legalism, we get out of the flow of the Holy Spirit. We get out of the flow of what Jesus wants to do. Every single time. And that's why Paul says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink. You know, do you drink alcohol? Do you not drink alcohol? Do you, do you, is beer allowed? Uh, well, okay, maybe beer and wine, but certainly not whiskey, unless you're Scottish. And then in that case, you know, whiskey. You know, all of these complex rules. Paul says, don't let anybody pass judgment on you with this. Or with regard to a festival, do you celebrate Passover? Do you not celebrate Passover? What about the Feast of Booths? Are we supposed to do that? Are we not supposed to do that? Uh, uh, or a new moon or a Sabbath? These are a shadow of the things to come. Everything that was in the Old Testament, every one of these rules and regulations were a shadow. They were pointing to something in the future. And Paul says that they all point to Jesus. And what always happens when we get caught up in legalism, we're pointed away from Jesus and onto the law. We're pointed away from Jesus and onto the rule. And Paul says, no, you got to be pointed toward Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The substance of everything is Jesus. The world is about Jesus. The heavens were created by God to display the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to show us God's beauty and God's justice and God's majesty and above all, God's love and grace and mercy. It's all about Jesus. The substance belongs to Jesus. And so Paul says, don't get sidetracked by legalism. You know, in every revival that's ever happened, there's always been a legalistic tendency. In some revivals, it's been the legalists who have really opposed the revival. In other revivals, what tends to happen is that people start coming up with special rules that you need to follow. Always happens. Paul says, don't get sidetracked by that. But that's not the only thing. He goes on and he says, verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous, that, that word means flesh, it's the word for that sinful aspect of our humanity that draws us away from God, it's the flesh, uh, by his fleshly mind. Don't let anybody disqualify you for these things. So you have legalism on, on the one hand, but then on the other hand you have what we might call hyper-spirituality. And this is another thing that tends to deflect people away. I mean, I remember back in the 1990s when the Holy Spirit was moving in a lot of different ways around the world and, and the thing that was sometimes called the Toronto Blessing and there were, there were certain things that came out of that uh, that were not good and there were a lot of things that came out of that that were good. I mean, the whole Alpha course and all the fruit of Alpha really was an outgrowth of what God did in that season there in the 1990s. And many people don't even realize that. But, but there was that connection there. But I, I do know that there was this, this, this thing that began to happen in those days. You had things like holy laughter. And, and so holy laughter became the sign that you were really spiritual. 
Uh, or in some moves, it's been falling down, you know, and falling down in the spirit became the sign that you were really spiritual. Back in the, in the early 1900s with the Azusa Street Revival, speaking in tongues became the thing that was the sign that you were really spiritual. Uh, or it was having a certain vision. I, I know somebody else, uh, uh, another ministry that, uh, that we've dealt with, uh, that some of the people went off the rail, if you will, or out of the flow of the Holy Spirit because they had these mystical experiences of Jesus on the cross. And unless you saw Jesus on the cross and felt his blood drip down on your head, you weren't really forgiven. And this kind of hyper-spirituality happens all the time, especially if there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's the same kind of thing that the Corinthians were dealing with. I mean, they were really caught up in the whole thing about speaking in tongues. And they, and they thought the person who spoke in tongues, would, you know, that was really the gift for everybody to have. And Paul says, no, actually, it'd be better if everybody had a gift of prophecy. So any kind of hyper-spirituality will begin to take us out of the flow of what Jesus is doing and out of the flow of the Holy Spirit. And we always have to be careful One of the things that I love to do is to try to ground everything in the reality of living our lives and who we are in Jesus Christ. Now, so when we pray for the sick, we shouldn't have to work ourselves up and say, oh, I'm going to pray and get into some kind of weird voice or uh, and, and we don't have to have 32 choruses of just as I am before we invite somebody to follow Jesus. Now, all of these are forms of hyper-spirituality, and they will begin to deflect us from what God wants to do. We need to be the people that God has made us to be. We need to be who we are. And yes, sometimes strange things will happen. I've seen people shake in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people fall in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen so many things happen, uh, and, and the thing is, don't give attention to those things. They do not validate the, encounter, the experience, what happens, the manifestation, does not validate the reality of what God is doing. Because I've seen just as many people be touched just as deeply and have no manifestation whatsoever. And over the years, I've dealt with so many people who are heartbroken because they didn't fall or they didn't cry or they didn't laugh or they didn't do triple somersaults and backflips uh, under the power of God. And they say, oh, you know, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. And so Paul says, don't let anybody disqualify you because of these things. And that's what people do. If they get caught up in the hyper-spirituality, what happens in legalism, people pass judgment. And they say, you're wrong because you did or didn't do this. In hyper-spirituality, what they do is disqualify you. They say, well, you're, you're not a real Christian. Or you're only a baby Christian. When you grow up, you know, you'll, you'll know what this is all about. And Paul says, don't do that. And then he goes on. And he says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. Now that's what we saw earlier. Uh, that's what Josh uh, preached on last week. That in Christ Jesus, all the power of the world, all the, the isms of the world, the Buddhisms, the Hinduisms, the capitalisms, uh, all of the, those uh, spirits that animate these things, All these spiritual forces of evil, in Christ Jesus, we're dead to them. And they're dead to us. And Jesus has disarmed their power in the cross. 
And so, you know, he says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, in this one, it's different than legalism. It's different than legalism because he says these are according to human precepts and teachings. The first set of things, the first set of things were the, the legalism there was actually stuff that sounded like it was the law of God. But in this case, this is like a humanistic, a humanistic religiosity. And Paul says, don't get caught up in these things. And one of the things that we tend to do in the body of Christ is we we get in the flow of Jesus and then all of a sudden we start bringing all these good worldly ideas along to help us in our practice of the faith. One of the big things right now is a lot of mindfulness teaching that's coming out of Buddhism. Now, I believe there's a Christian mindfulness that we need to practice, just as I believe there's a Christian form of meditation that we should be practicing. We are to meditate on the Word of God. We are to meditate on the truth of, who, uh, of, of Jesus Christ. We are to do these things. There are many Christian practices that have echoes of things in the world And the challenge is that we start to bring the things of the world and let them influence us. And so right now, there's big things about mindfulness and and the way you you deal with that. Or or yoga is another thing that's come out of uh, Hinduism and another practice that you know, we think that is, is not a healthy thing for us to be engaged with. And again, it's about, you know, twisting and turning your body and, and there's a, a number of other things that go along with it. In other words, there are pseudo-religious practices that Paul is talking about here. This is really kind of the religiosity. I misspoke that earlier. The first one is legalism. The second one is hyper-spirituality. This third one is like a pseudo-religiosity where it seems like the things that we're doing are religious. It seems like the things that we're doing are fine. It seems like the practices have some sense of, of godliness and health to them, but actually their, their origins, their foundations are ungodly. And they can quickly take us out of the flow of what Jesus is doing and out of the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, you need to be ready to, do, to go with Jesus. You need to be ready to be in the flow with Jesus. And you need to be watching out for these other things. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I'm not going to give you ten steps. I'm going to give you one. Paul says right there, very clearly, verse 19, hold fast to the head. That's Jesus. In order to avoid legalism, in order to avoid hyper-spirituality, in in order to avoid pseudo-religiosity that comes from a worldliness, a worldly religiosity, in order to avoid all of those things, we must hold fast to Jesus. And this word is is not like a, I'm going to gently hold on to Jesus. 
This word means you grab hold of Jesus and you hang on for dear life no matter where Jesus takes you, no matter what Jesus does, that Jesus becomes the center, that Jesus becomes the focus, that Jesus is the one that you hold on to, you hold Jesus tightly and everything else in the world loosely. That's the idea. You hold on to Jesus who is the head of the body. And by the way, if we hold on to Jesus we're going to hold on to each other in the body of Christ. Because notice what Paul says. You know, from whom the whole body, that's all Christians, nursed and knit together through its joints and ligaments, that's leaders and organizations and churches that keep us together, grows with a growth that is from God. So if we hold on to Jesus, we'll stay in the flow of what God is doing in Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we'll be holding on to one another because if everybody's holding on to Jesus and Jesus is moving forward, guess what? It smacks us all together in a unity, in a vitality that will bring growth to everybody and strength to the church and we all go with Jesus and we all flow with Jesus because as Paul says, the substance belongs to Christ. In Christ we died to the spiritual forces in the world and it's Christ who qualifies us as Christians in our connection with him. So hold fast to Jesus and get ready for a wild ride. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of Jesus, of who we are in Jesus. And Father, I pray for myself and I pray for every one of us that you'd enable us, help us to hold fast to Jesus. Because we know ultimately it's only by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit that we can really hold fast to Jesus. Jesus, thank you for loving us and dying for us and rising from the dead and calling us to you. Hold fast to us, even as we hold fast to you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.